Welcome to Coaching the Coach. I'm your host, Pete Townley, for the Upstate Performance Project. All right. Got that mood music going today. Hope you're feeling it. I'm feeling it. All right. Enough of that. Today we are continuing our look into mindfulness and, and developing that mind-body connection. And, and as you know, as you should know by now, we never want to throw out a concept to you without letting you, or without teaching you uh, techniques on how to get there, right? I can't sit here and tell you this is what you have to be doing if I don't also then tell you how to do it. We started this whole journey off, or this whole conversation off, with getting in the right mindset. That sounds great, and I believe in that, but how do we do that? And we went through that. So we've been looking at mindfulness uh, in the mind-muscle or mind-body connection. And I, I've been referencing my coach, uh, Linda Christie Wheeler, um, in the Holistic Fitness Academy. That's that's where I learned to do these things a long time ago. Um, and they've helped me in my career, uh, me personally, for sure, um, but in my career as well, being able to adapt some of these things into the sports performance that I did, but also with a lot of my clients who just had trouble really connecting with certain muscle groups. And, and, and that's, that's what today's gonna be all about. So, We've used the word somatic educator. Uh, Linda uh, Christie calls herself a somatic educator instead of just a yoga instructor or anything like that. Because the whole intent is to learn how we can flex and relax the bodies, or the body, the muscles, pardon me, um, to achieve a connection between the brain and the mind. So let me let me just start with a little bit of anatomy before we jump into today's lesson. Um, and, and before I get into the anatomy, um, if we look back at what we've talked about in terms of the the last few or last couple podcasts, um, you know we want to make sure that again all of the things that we've talked about, like the grounding and the centering. Um, strength, flexibility, vitality, all of those things, you know, are understood. So if you haven't listened to episodes 116, 17, and 18, um, 116, 117, and 118, uh, go back and read those or listen to those. Um, they're about 30, 40 minutes long each. Um, and this one will probably be about the same as well. But, but the idea is kind of setting us up for what we're going to talk about today. So today I want to make sure that we understand how to do this. So I mentioned the, um, what, a couple weeks, or last week, I guess, a couple podcasts ago about giving your clients, or if, you, if you're working through yourself and not a trainer, uh, finding time to explore and, and finding the right exercises that have the right connection that you feel so for example if I if I want to train the chest 
and every time I do the chest, I really get a good stretch and I feel the chest really working with, say, an incline press versus a, uh, a regular bench, a flat bench press. So maybe the incline is where I need to focus. That's where I'm getting the best connection with my brain. Now, it's not to say that I shouldn't do the other one, but there could be, you know, exercises that you connect with the most that you feel you get more out of. And, and you're only going to know that by practicing, feeling it, exploring the different variations. So as a coach, you should be giving your, your client some time to figure this out for themselves, helping them, guiding them, of course, but giving them some direction and some cues on what to feel how to know if they're doing it right and then be able to watch them and tell if they're doing it right and that's that's a whole nother skill and we'll talk about that we'll get there today we're going to assume that you're going to do this yourself first right because we always have to we always should so we're going to teach you how to do it and, and there's several different things we're going to talk about um this is part three i'm definitely going to have to do a part four uh <clears throat> so this would be like part three a we'll say um, but I want to talk about some, some things on how to start building that mind-muscle connection. But let's talk about some anatomy first. So we have in our muscles uh, mechanoreceptors, uh, muscle spindles, Golgi tendon organs. These, these uh, organs or these uh, muscle spindles and Golgi tendon organs, um, mechanoreceptors, they sense changes in tension and changes in length in the muscle and the tendons. So, and they're, they're for protective mechanisms, but we can also use them to help balance and coordinate. In other words, if I go deep into a stretch, if I just start standing and I bend quickly down to touch my toes, not ease into it, just boom, boom, drop into a, a toe touch, my hamstrings, my low back, you know, th these areas are going to tighten up and they're going to tighten up more. And I might even pull a muscle or feel like I pull a muscle because what happens is I rapidly go into this and you're in these, um, these mechanoreceptors will sense the change, send a signal to my spinal cord to either contract that muscle or contract muscles around there to help protect. It senses something is wrong. Now we've talked about this before. This is, this is the basic principle of, of overload. We have to be able to overload this system in order to grow. So if I'm lifting weights, obviously changes in tension, uh, <laughs> that's new weight. So if you've never uh, lifted before, or let's say you, know, you come in and I want to bench press 200 pounds today, and I put 200 pounds on the bar without warming up and I take off, it's gonna feel a lot harder than if I warm up to it. Why? Not because you're not that strong, but because you're going from zero to 200 pounds, and the minute that bar comes down on your chest, all those mechanoreceptors are stretching and they're, and they're tightening and they're locking everything up to protect because it's like, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, what's this? But if you ease into it, if you warm up, you're gradually moving through you know, heavier and heavier weight as you go, teaching your body, okay, this movement, I can do this. This movement is okay. You're basically telling your mind is telling your muscles, or in this case, your muscles are telling your mind, hey, we got this. This is doable. This is manageable. You can relax. This is safe. We're under control. But those mechanoreceptors are there to help us, right? 
to help us figure out where we are in time and space. So, if we have someone, say, balance on one leg, and then balance on one leg with their eyes closed, they're probably going to do better with their eyes open, of course, because they can kind of see around them. They can get a good spatial awareness of where they are. But if they close their eyes, they're going to lose that a little bit and they might falter. But what you're going to feel versus what an observer might see. So if I'm watching an athlete close their eyes and stand there on one leg, it to them it may feel like they're teetering you know, several inches back and forth. They feel like they're swaying way to the left, to the right, or to the front, the back. Whereas I, I might, as the coach, see them move a little bit, but they're not moving that far. But the reason it feels that way to them is because their spatial awareness is, is gone. They can't see where they are. So again, a visualization here, like close your eyes. Before you close your eyes, you say, take a mental picture of what's in front of you. And that way you can kind of build that construct and that helps you. Why? That visualization trains your brain in order to know where you are in space and time. But without that knowledge, even a, a shift of a couple centimeters is going to feel like you're swaying big time back and forth. So what does that have to do with what we're talking about? Well, we can train our muscles to um, move and adapt in, in, in um, uh, flex and relax when we want them to, to get the optimal um, tension in our body or lack thereof, depending on what we're after. If we're trying to relax, you know, we want to release the tension, right? If we're trying to lift something, we want some tension. Um, we want to be able to be stable in one area while we're doing something in another area. That's a very functional uh idea, right? We, we, we know we're going to be placed in these positions where we have to stabilize something while we're moving others. So we have to be able to tense one area while we, you know, flex and move other areas. So these things are fundamental. Okay. So let me give you another quick example and then I'm going to get into, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you some examples as I go through um, some of these techniques. So I'm going to break this up today. We're going to talk about um, a couple different techniques um, today. Um, and then I'm going to do a whole uh, episode uh, tomorrow on just breathing. Uh, and breathing, I think, is going to be one of the most important ones. I could probably do that one first, but I've already prepped for this one. So <laughs> we're going to do that. Um, the first technique I want to talk about is is what we call the the contract relax um, basically what you're going to do is you're going to try to train your muscles to flex and then relax in certain areas and and the more you do uh, in certain areas and isolating certain muscle groups uh, the better control you will have over them so for example um, again we've used this example before the the bodybuilders that you used to see like bounce their pecs up and down without abducting their arm you know without they can flex their muscles without moving the limbs and structures they're attached to they have control over those areas if you can do that you may not in every muscle group but if you can do that all over then you have pretty good control of your body pretty good somatic control of your body because that's not necessarily something that's easily done now 
when I talk about breathing, I am going to give a step-by-step -step breakdown of how to build this ability if you don't already have it. So don't worry, I'm not going to leave you hanging. Um, but one of the best ways you can start by doing this is understanding how to uh, feel extremes, right? Contract and relax. If you can feel what it feels like to contract in that muscle and feel what it feels like to be uh, relaxed in that muscle, then we have a starting point, right? We have two extremes, relaxed and flexed. And a lot of this is just, you know, what it, what we would say is, you know, our own ability to control this, uh, you know, consciously, not, not in our subconscious. So what we want to do, um, I mean, there's, shoot, there's all kinds of, of different ways to do this, but one of the best ways is, is a simple, simple, um, uh, exercise where you find a pose you could be laying supine I that's the one that I do the most in, in more of a progressive 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 relaxation where I'll flex and relax starting at my toes like making fists with my toes and squeezing them as hard as I can and then relaxing squeezing and relaxing now there's some other physiological things going on here some other uh, things being released uh, but that that's not what we're talking about here all we're talking about now is getting the sensation of being extremely tight and flexed and then relaxing and do several times and again there's no I'm not gonna go I'm not trying to teach a particular um, you know uh, protocol for this but you know three to five second flex as hard as you can and then relax again it doesn't have to be exact somewhere in that range but what you're gonna do is is, is move up your body and get to certain areas. You might you might find that there's certain areas of your body that you have a harder time doing this with. Um, oddly enough, the biceps are one. Now you you can hold up like like you're flexing your double bicep pose, but but try that with your arms at instead of a 90 degree angle at your elbows, maybe straight out, or arms flexed out in front of you. You can move your body in different positions and still try to flex those, flex those muscles and you may or may not get a good connection. Why? Because when you're doing that, other muscle groups are now called into play. So I mentioned we want to be able to flex and, and contract one area while we relax or move another area, right? That's stability. That's our basic principle of being stable. So in this scenario, having a good mind muscle connection is really important so um, if you take your biceps say again this is this is just an easy one to do and arms out straight flex your bicep if you flex it and hold it there for three to five seconds and do that for three or four times you might start to feel some fatigue in the bicep and that's good then you can move it up to about a 20 degree of flexion um, 90 degrees and then so on and so forth up till you're all the way up fully flexed if you feel that fatigue after the you know few seconds of, of maximally flexing it, then you've got a pretty good connection. Sometimes people don't, and if they don't, what you want to do is well, there. The first thing you can do is just this this movement, this contraction and relax. This will help build the basic pathway. This will help understand or get your body to understand that we're going to be using these muscles. We're going to be calling upon and recruiting these muscle fibers. Now, there is another technique that we want to get into. The next level up is, is uh, just small little movements, small little um, 
what, what Coach Wheeler calls micro-movements. And basically, the micro-movements um, are essentially just like little... Um, it, it, I, I liken it to our warm-up sets, like I said before. If we're getting ready to kind of challenge and overload those Golgi tendon organs, those mechanoreceptors, to allow us to lift heavier weight, same thing if we're stretching. If, if I, I, It's not like a full-on ballistic stretch where I'm bouncing hard in it, but if I pulse a little bit and then move a little further. We'll talk more about breathing tomorrow, but we, we're, we're stretching, we're pulsing a little bit, then we move deeper into the stretch. What we're doing is we're, we're sending that signal, hey, mechanoreceptors, relax, we got this, we're all good, and then we can go deeper into the stretch because we're, t we're letting our body know it's like little mini, mini, mini uh, overloads, right? Uh, progressive overloading on that stretch. And it's allowing yourself to, deep, uh, to deepen the stretch, whatever that may be. But going back to our, say, bicep analogy as we're trying to do that contract, relax technique, uh, the first one, if we're doing that and, and we have short little pulses with the micro movement, and, I, and, and I'm sitting here doing it as I'm talking, but imagine, imagine you're flexing your arm. It's at 90 degrees, and then you're just you're just moving your forearm back and forth, oh, five to 10 degrees each way. So it's like a little pulse, but I'm doing that to again send the signal to my spinal cord where where the where the movements are going to come from. That hey, I want to activate these muscles. And doing so before you go and do some of your sets uh, would be great, which is another reason why we do warm-ups. Again, that should be obvious. But this, in this case, we are training those muscles to do something, um, to or to activate, to uh, recruit. God, man, I could not think of that word. To recruit uh, the muscle fibers that we want to actually use so that when we go to actually do the movement, say in this case a barbell bicep curl, I'm going to be using that and I'm not going to be lifting my arm using my anterior deltoid or any other muscle group other than the intended one I'm trying to hit. And if I'm trying to do a movement, say a bent over row with a barbell or dumbbells, um, if I'm bent forward at say a 45 degree angle, my core, my abs are are. Uh, engage my low back erectors are, are tight my glutes my my hamstrings those are all contracting and stabilizing there's no change in tension they they're kind of, I'm just kind of holding them at a particular spot where I want to stabilize and then it's my you know my rhomboids and my traps and and, and, and lats uh, that are that are going to be active during this lift uh, biceps of course as well but the idea being um, I have to be able to stabilize one while contract the other. So you have to have that connection. A lot of times people will go down into that 45 degree angle, like say for a bent over row or even a, a Romanian deadlift and their back starts to round and you, and you might cue them to straighten their back. And you say, straighten your back. Well, to them, they're like, well, it is straight. They can't tell that their back is rounded at any position. Why? Because they don't have that mind muscle connection, right? So what you then need to do, you can't just say straighten your back because that doesn't necessarily work. You have to build those cues and you have to teach them that this is what it feels like when your back is rounded and then get them in that straight position, get them to flex 
the, the glutes, flex the back, flex the uh, hamstrings. This is what it feels like to be in the position I want you to. Now relax, now flex back into it, then relax, then flex back into it. So again, you're teaching them how to get in that right position. And you know, there might be other things, other reasons why they can't. Flexibility may be an issue. Hamstring tightness may prevent them from, from going too far. There's, there's a lot of issues, but the point is you have to teach them what it feels like to be in the right position versus the wrong position, and then have them move from good to bad, good to bad, feeling it so that they remember what it's supposed to feel like when they're in the right position. Because they may not have that motor pathway, that neural connection yet. Right? The neural neuromuscular efficiency or coordination yet. So you have to teach them that and they have to feel it, and then that starts to understand, their body starts to understand, okay, now I know I'm in a good position, so that if I'm out of position, I can correct it and get back into position. Another drill I like to do for this, or another uh, example of these micro movements that I've always used with my clients is sitting on a Swiss ball, and if you can imagine sitting on top of a Swiss ball, sitting, standing up, or sitting up perfectly straight, and I'm just rocking my hips side to side. Now, imagine my torso staying straight up and down. It's not leaning to the left as my hips go right and leaning to the right as my hips go left. I'm staying perfectly straight. I'm only shifting my hips. So I'm using a lot of my muscles in my core to go forward and back. And I can go forward and back. I can tuck my pelvis under and I can arch my low back and, and tuck my pelvis backwards. I can go forward. Now, it looks a little silly sitting on the ball. It might look like you're doing a little something um, funky over there in the corner. But what we're doing is we're warming up those muscles. We're calling upon ourselves to be able to control those muscles and move them in any direction. Coordinate the movements from the abs to the um, erectors to our hip flexors, glutes, piriformis, all these muscles in this area we want some to relax and some to flex and then switch it to the other side and then you could even go in a circle and move those hips and, and have a very coordinated effort without moving the rest of your body right and if we can move our core in that way then man a lot of other movements are going to be a lot easier but more importantly when you get out of proper alignment you can make a small adjustment or or to use her term a micro movement to get back into place quick example if I'm in a squat um, sometimes and I this is a problem for me I I get down at the bottom end of a squat and coming out of it I arch my back too soon right and what happens is now my back is arched I've lost a lot of rigidity and then I, then I push hard with my legs and then my my back goes from a, uh, a extended position to a flex position quickly and now I've lost the lip forward, right? So if I go down and I notice that, I've, that I'm hyperextending my back, um, I can make a small little adjustment by flexing my abs and pulling my pelvis forward a little bit, getting in that adjustment, or that, that pardon me, that tilt anteriorly, getting my spine back in, in, uh, in a straight uh, position or the position I want it to be in. Again, a very small, small movement or, or correction that a coach or an observer may not even see that you did, but it's the ability to flex certain muscles without having to move all of the other uh, structures around it 
that's becoming having a good mind-body connection. All right, I want to go over one more technique here uh, today, and then um, we'll get into breathing tomorrow. Uh, but this next one, uh, I really like this next one. This is something that um, that I do a lot as well. It's, again, a technique I learned uh, many years ago, and it's helped me personally um, when I'm going through that kind of ex ex self-exploratory movements. Like, like I talked about letting your clients do, giving them some movements and telling them how to do it and how to feel it. This is a perfect one. So let's say you're doing a, um, uh, a an incline chest press. So obviously we want to be flexing the pecs. We want to squeeze the pecs, especially at the top of that movement. We want to make sure that we're flexing them so that we are recruiting the, the muscle uh, uh, that we want to use and the, the motor units that we want to uh, recruit. But try this. Try doing a, a set where you, you keep it flexed there and you want to make sure that that keeps going. But flex your abs or squeeze those lats down, holding those lats into place. So that's kind of the opposite, right? If I hold my lats or my rhomboids down, you know, which will stabilize my shoulder and, and, and help me uh, press against the, uh, the, the pad or against the, the dumbbell, I should say you will be able to kind of feel the opposing musculature. So it's kind of the opposite. Can you keep that flexed while still moving the the weight? Uh, a better, maybe a, a better example or a more easily understood example is let's say you're doing a, a, um, a bird dog pose. So you've got one arm and one leg up and extended out and one hand and knee on the ground supporting yourself. If I put all my focus on that knee and hip and the hand that's on the ground, will my arm and leg that are up in the air stay uh, extended outward the way I want them to, or will they start to drop back towards the ground? Can you do that? Can you then focus on those, but maintain your balance and go back and forth? Focus on the arm and the leg that are up, focus on the arm and the leg that are down and you can kind of shift your focus up and back away and forward and we do that so that you can get a sense of what one muscle group is doing again the 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 stabilization versus one that is doing the movement and again being able to do all of these techniques we talked about practicing these things gets us better muscle control so that the main the main reason is there's two main reasons one is that if something goes awry, we can make an adjustment without hurting ourselves. It lessens our our chance for injury. Doesn't eliminate it, but it lessens the chance. Okay. Secondly, um, secondly, what it does is allows us to again call upon the musculature that we want, and allows us for a better, more efficient movement therefore increasing our performance uh, and relaxing at the end. We want to be able to have a complete relaxation of the body. In other words, we know that after heavy lifting days, we might be tight and sore, but we don't want to be bound up to where we can't move. If you're lifting, if you're exercising, is putting you in a state that you can't 
really function for a couple of days afterwards until you go back and lift again, then, then something is wrong. It's not necessarily that you're lifting too much or that you're lifting improperly, but you're not using your body's abilities to their fullest extent. And so this is where that mind-muscle connection really comes into play to help you understand where I need to relax. Because if I'm, again, I'll use me as an example, um, like a lot of people, my low back gets tight after a deadlift day. I have a lot of mobility drills and things I like to do, but, but beyond that, when I go to try to lay down and relax after uh, a heavy deadlift day, I can I can focus in you know on these areas and really try to start to relax those muscles while I'm supporting like so if I want to relax that low back I don't just let everything go and hang because then it might put it in a in a weird position just in a different way so I want I might want to keep my abs um, or or hamstrings contracted but still be able to loosen up that low back so tighten some muscles loosen some muscles relax some muscles I should say um, in order to get that one area to kind of calm down to release to get those muscle spindles and Golgi tendon organs the mechanoreceptors to chill out right to say we got this we're all good we can relax now and that's where this comes into play a lot of these exercises will help with that you can do them a lot as a way to relax at the end of a workout it works really well but you can also do them warming up or you can also make it a whole day where you're kind of working on you know a lot of times we have active recovery days this would be a great active recovery type day to go through and practice that contract relax practice the little micro movement uh, or, or the opposites as we just talked about. So I challenge you to go try some of those. Um, a lot of this is gonna make more sense tomorrow when I talk about the breathing techniques because we're gonna break down again how to start gaining control over small muscle movements like our, in our core to start with. Um, and, and the breathing technique is gonna be very important uh, in that, not just how to breathe but when and what, what all well, well, we'll get to it. But the whole point is we're going to bring everything together so that these little tiny movements, these little tiny uh, efforts uh, will pay off big dividends in injury prevention, body relaxation, and performance. And, and we'll say increased performance because our body's relaxed and is able to move and operate in a manner in which we're most efficient. Okay. More tomorrow. Have a great day. Hope you enjoyed the music.